What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Four Corners Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Money Miles J, because when money talks, people listen. And for this episode, we are going to be looking at Marvel's What If Episodes 2 and 3. I'm going to be kind of breaking down each episode a little bit, so there might be some spoilers, so be mindful of that if you have not seen the series. I'm going to be giving my own five, my own rating out of five stars for each episode. And I want you guys to go ahead and give me your opinions. There's going to be a lot of things that I mentioned in this episode where it's going to be a little divisive. But keep in mind, it's my opinion. It's just like everybody else. Everybody can have their own. You may like an episode that I hate. You may hate, you may hate an episode that I like. Or you may like something that I like and so forth. Just keep that in mind that I always enjoy healthy arguments. And I mean healthy arguments as in if you don't like something, then by all means, you don't have to like it, but just support it. Support your argument. Just like I'm going to support my arguments for certain things. So with that being said, let's keep a positive, let's keep a positive mind and let's dive in. To what if? Episode two. What if T'Challa became a Star Lord? In this episode, the question arises: Is your destiny determined by your nature, or by the nature of your world? It's the classic argument of nature versus nurture. Is it your environment that shapes your attitude and who you are, or is it your parental upbringing? It's pretty interesting. In each episode, there is a reasoning behind each break in this timeline. From what we've seen in the MCU, the main timeline is pretty much everything that's in the movies. And whatever and whatever deviates from it is the reasoning behind it, the deviation and how we get these branching timelines. In this case, in 1988, the Ravagers are hired by Ego to retrieve Peter Quill. Pretty much the same thing from Guardians of the Galaxy. But this time around, Yondu, instead of going himself, he actually assigns the task to his to his subordinates. They mistakenly abduct T'Challa instead. T'Challa is a child in this is an adventurer at heart. It's not too far off from how he is, but we really didn't know how he was as a child growing up in Wakanda. While he's there, Yandu decides to keep him instead and helps him explore the galaxies. He becomes, he grows up, becomes a Ravenger. Yandu takes 
Yandu pretty much takes him under his wing, similar to what he did with Peter Quill in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Although, of course, things play out differently. In this episode, pretty much everybody who played themselves within the MCU, with the exception of Drax and the exception of... I believe Drax. I believe Drax is the only one. I could be wrong, but from what I can tell, Drax is the only one that's not playing himself, along with Peter Quill. So, the act. This is Chadwick Boseman's final performance, not only as T'Challa but in general. So I'm very so myself, as great as an actor he was, great as a person as he was. I am very I'm very grateful to to hear his voice one last time with new dialogue. So with this, twenty years later, the Chalin, who's now a famous galactic pirate and known as the hero Star Lord, has reformed the Ravengers, who are now inspired by Robin Hood, of all things, to pretty much steal from the rich and give it to the poor, in a sense it's very it's very much like the same like some of some of the things that did happen within guardians of the galaxy there are differences in which t'challa instead works with the ravengers they all work together if you recall in the first move in the first guardians of the galaxy when he went on to when he went on to i believe it was called Korra. Excuse me. When he was on um what is the name of that planet? Uh Morag. I had to think about it for a second. When he was on Morag to get the orb, he ended up he ended up going there by himself without the Ravengers and fleeing by himself. By the time that he got there, he was already gone. This time around, he T'Challa, Star Lord, is with the Ravengers. In fact, a Korath played by Digimon Hansun is actually there. And his reaction to Star Lord is a stark difference to how he reacted to him in Guardians of the Galaxy. In Guardians of the Galaxy, Peter Quill was trying to force the name Star Lord onto everybody. While in while in this He's well known, and Korath just fanboys over him. And one of the things, one of the criticisms I'm gonna say, is that people think that T'Challa was a Mary Sue, or he was too imperfect. He was too perfect, like he could do no wrong within this episode, like he didn't have any flaws. I'm gonna have to disagree. I had to just nip this in the bud. Um. If you guys can explain to me what flaws you've seen in T'Challa in Captain America Civil War, Black Panther, and the two Avengers movies that he was in. I'm pretty sure he's the same person. Only only slight subtle differences here and there. Of course, T'Challa does... T'Challa's a human. He... He's not exactly perfect. He does get impatient. 
he does he is a little he's a little um he's a little quick to he's a little quick to take action from time to time he's he does he does have a few flaws here and there but to say that he's a flawless character mary sue or anything like that i strongly disagree but within but within this um star lord really isn't his title per se it is what they call him but it's not something that he just willingly accepts he is very humble just like how he was within the movies similar like how he like how when they were talking about how should we bow and he's like yeah he's king and then when he, then when bruce tried to bow he told him hey we we don't do that here um it was there was a very similar situation with Korath saying should should we should we be kneeling i think we should be kneeling or should we bow and he's like no neither is necessary he's very humble um he recruits Korath and they actually do they actually do try to um try to create try to create try to use the Next, try to use the power stone in the orb to to actually um to actually help out a dying planet instead, which is rather interesting because it's a big turn on what they were going to do. Because normally, because he even mentioned Yandu even mentions that they were going to. That if it was the old days, they would have sold it to the highest bidder, which is pretty much what happened in the movie. Um, they end up going to their headquarters, and they end up going to their um, going to their meeting with the Ravagers. They meet up with Nebula, and she proposes a heist. And for this heist, they are actually going to be stealing from the Collector. Now the Collect, now because of T'Challa being so close to nebula and the others he was actually able to work with thanos and he talked him into realizing that his plan for the infinity stones was a bad idea so that's pretty interesting and one of the things that he mentioned was that was that sometimes the best weapon in your arsenal is a strong argument Right on, good. Right on, my brother. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, but yeah, some, sometimes that is true. I don't think anybody's really been able to reason with Thanos, so that's pretty interesting. I don't think anybody's had a chance to. Nobody was willing to change his mind. But for this case, they were actually trying to steal an artifact called the Embers of Genesis. Cosmic dust capable of terraforming ecosystems and eradicating galactic hunger. So pretty much almost creating new life on a dead earth. Um, the Black Order, instead of working for Thanos, they now work for the Collector, who then this in this reality, he actually is the biggest baddie on the in the galaxy instead of Thanos. Because he's no longer a bad guy, they're left a void in a sense. 
So I'm not going to go through this whole episode. There's quite a bit to unpack. I would, su- I would suggest everybody else watching it, everybody else who's listening to check out the episode themselves. I'm going to skim through a few other things because we do, because they do get the highest where they actually try to sneak in. They end up getting captured. But while he's trying, but while he's trying to escape, he actually he actually does come across all these different ships that the collectors had in his possession. But let me backtrack because Yandu actually did tell T'Challa that Wakanda was destroyed when he tried to send them back when he was younger. He had he had told him that Wakanda was destroyed, so there's no point in going back. He comes across a Wakandan ship and finds out that he, that they have been looking for him the entire time. So he feels betrayed by Yandu. During that time, they they do they do have a small argument. They end up getting captured. Um, they end up they end up trying to get he ends up trying to get to Chalin and he and the collector puts him in a special cage so that way he can because he plans on breaking him down piece by piece to see what's so special about him because he wanted him as a special display. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Uh, there is an interaction with Howard the Duck at some point. That's pretty. That's pretty funny. Um, he does end up escaping, and he fights the Collector, who is unlike how he is in Guardians of the Galaxy. This version of the Collector is jacked to the gills. I mean, he's almost the size of Thanos. Big, strong. I mean, overly muscular. Him and Yondu do do end up fighting him, taking him down while the others escape. Gamora, I mean not Gamora, but um Nebula and and Thanos who had a who have a strained relationship, they end up kind of reconciling when she saves him from the Black Order. After they defeat after they defeat the collector and cage him up, his assistant, the one the one who um, ended up killing herself in the movie where she grabbed the power stone and blew herself up. This time around, she actually unlocks all of his other, all of his other um, collections, people that he's had locked up. And then they all, then they all surround him. Similar to how the Grandmaster was surrounded by the people that he's tormented at the end of Ragnarok. So then we get to our final moments when when it's Yandu and T'Challa, they kinda make they kinda make amends while they're on the Wakandan ship trying to figure out what to, what to do next and where to go. T'Challa said that he wasn't sure where he belonged or where he should go. And Yandu gave the quote of it doesn't Yandu had gave a quote and I thought it was that was very poignant. Of course, some people don't like it, some people do. It's all about your own interpretation of it. So he was saying 
that he was saying that on any planet among any people, there's no place in this galaxy where you don't belong. Kind of heartwarming. Of course, some people will make the fact that, oh, yeah, not in America, though, and all this other stuff. But it is what it is. It's not meant it's not meant to be anything political. It's meant to be something that's heartwarming and to let you know that, hey, you you don't you don't have to be isolated. Just one thing, one people or this thing or that thing. You belong wherever you want to go. You you shouldn't feel excluded from anything. That type of thing. But that's my interpretation. You guys can take it any way that you like. So he decides to actually go back to Wakanda. This time he takes the whole crew with him. And he has a heartfelt reunite uh, reunion with his family. His father and his mother. And they all sit around and just having a good time. Um, there's There's even a scene where... There's even a portion where Okoye uh, was talking to Thanos, saying that it still seemed like his plans still seem like genocide, and he argues that no, it's not genocide because it's all at random and efficient. <laughs> uh, it is. It was kind of funny. Um, T'Chaka did ask Yandu, "How did he end up on his ship?" And y- and T'Challa tells him that, "Hey." I was lost. Yondu found me. Pretty simple. Kept me alive. That type of thing. So it was. So it was. It wasn't meant to be anything. It wasn't meant to be anything um, offensive. It's meant to be something that's kind of heartwarming, and I think it was befitting with this being some of the last performances of of um, Chadwick Boseman. And we do get a little, we do get a little bit of a different, a little bit of a um, warning of things to come because this time we have, because then it cuts to the Dairy Queen from, if you remember in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, there was a scene where Peter Quill's mother and Kurt Russell, Ego, go near Dairy Queen where she shows him, where he shows her something that he had planted, that thing that he had planted, that portion of him, that seed. That Dairy Queen is back, and Peter Quill is working there, and all of a sudden he's approached by Ego. So we get, so we get a little, a little tease of things that could be coming. I'm gonna say that this episode was probably one of my one of my favorites i'm not gonna say that it's perfect but i really enjoyed it i had a great time with it i thought that it was full of heart and meaning and it came it came from a good place um the performances of josh brolin dijamon hansu and especially him as Korath when he was fanboying over T'Challa. Oh my goodness, that is hilarious. But Chadwick Boseman, Dijamon Hansu, both of them have played Black Panther. Dijamon Hansu played Black Panther in the BET 
um animate online animated series of Black Panther. And obviously we know Chadwick Boseman. But we get two Black Panthers for one. Oh, Josh Brolin was excellent. Um Karen Gilliam, who she's 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 pretty good as well. But like everybody who performed in this was did a really good job. All in all, on my personal scale, I actually gotta give this a four out of five. This is me personally saying it's a four out of five because of all the things that I stated before. I believe that this episode I felt like in this episode they actually did learn from the from episode one, where in this episode it's a lot more well paced. You have moments where you get a chance to breathe. You actually do get to soak in the atmosphere of each area that they're in. It doesn't feel like it's being rushed at all. Um, their dialogue doesn't seem rushed because that was those were my issues that I had with the first episode. Uh, what if? Captain Carter was the first Avenger, where she just seemed like she was talk. Everybody was talking a mile a minute, and we were trying to get from one thing to the other to the other. It just felt like it was rushed, and you didn't get a chance to soak in anything. So I felt like it really learned from it. Really learned from that. Um, from a critique standpoint, I still give. I got to give it a three, three point five out of five. Um, like I said before, um, I still wanted to see more of more of the backstory. There's only so much you can do within 30 minutes or half an hour. So I really wish that they could have gotten to the backstory of how he got the name Star Lord. I mean, he is a he was he is a prince, but I would like to them for them to give me like anything, even a throwaway line. Um, it, there are a few more questions that, that should have been answered, but it's not like it's a laundry list of questions. I feel like that was having those questions is at least, the least of the worries for this episode. So I really enjoyed it, but you guys let me know what you think. Go ahead and come, go ahead and comment send me messages of what your thoughts are about the what if series if you guys aren't following me on facebook please do it is four corners entertainment i have posts up i will also have links up so you guys can even send me a voice clip and if and if you like i can actually even put the voice clip on an episode of my show i can put it on the next episode of my review if you like so with that being said on to the next episode So, episode three, Marvel's What If. What if Earth lost its mightiest heroes? In this episode, they actually do go over Fury's big week, which was a comic book tie-in of Nick Fury's involvement between the three movies of The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and Thor. All those, all three of those movies actually did take place within the same week. So we actually pretty much follow Nick Fury throughout that week. Um, the first things up is, is Black Widow and Nick Fury approaching t- Tony. This was in Iron Man 2 where he was dealing with this palladium poisoning. Things pretty much play out the same way. 
except when Natasha gives him the medicine that's supposed to bait off the effects of the poisoning. It instead kills him. Natasha is then put into custody for kill- for pretty much killing Tony Stark. While that was going on, while that was going on, she and he actually do- Nick Fury does trust her still, and trying to figure out who tampered with the antidote for Tony. She ends up. She actually does end up escaping custody and getting away. Elsewhere, we have we have Thor's hammer. This is when Agent Coulson finds Thor's hammer in New Mexico and tries to get Nick Fury's attention. While he's dealing while he's dealing with that, he while that's going on. Natasha reaches out and finds Betty Ross. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Betty Ross, she hasn't been in an MCU movie since The Incredible Hulk. She was actually trying to... She reaches out to her to try and stay off the grid from... from the government, pretty much, as well as figure out what went wrong. They do find out that the needle was tampered with. It was almost as if... The medicine didn't even leave. Couldn't find out what it was exactly, but then at the same time, there's been there was thunderstorms near Thor's hammer for obvious reasons. We get to, we get to the scene where Thor tries to reach for the hammer. Hawkeye, who is up in Who's up in his perch, just like in the movie of Thor. He has the arrow ready to go. And all he had to do was just tell him to say the word and he'll take him out. But they kept on telling him, do not engage. Let him try and lift it or let him try to lift the hammer and see what he can do. But then all of a sudden, his arrow leaves his hand and kills Thor. Distraught over this, they take him into custody. He doesn't speak at all, and he's just sitting in in the cell, just trying to figure out what happened. When Nick Fury finally arrives and tries to talk to Clint, Clint passes. Clint is lifeless. Turns out somebody had killed him. Don't know who, don't know when or how. He was just dead as soon as he got in there. There was no entry nobody was let in or out so in this episode it's more of a it's more of a mystery where you're trying to figure out who is who is killing off all the people who were involved in the avengers initiative but we'll get to that and i got my criticisms on it too um natasha is made aware of it and so because Clinton's dead, she's asking him to try and see if she can find Bruce Banner. She ends up finding him hiding in in either room or closet. I believe it was like a closet. And he wanted to make sure that, hey, um, it's not going to be necessary to use any force. It might not even be a good idea while they, while they try to escape. 
Why did I escape? We have um, General Ross arriving. And while General Ross is arriving, he has he has he has Black Widow and Bruce surrounded. Elsewhere, back in New Mexico, Loki, as well as the Asgardian army, arrive, seeking revenge over the death of Thor. Nick Fury does try to negotiate with Loki, telling him that the person who's responsible for his death is also responsible for two other people's deaths. Loki gives him until... Loki gives him until the next day to bring the killer to. So, they gotta act quick. In this case, we have... We have um, Natasha trying to trying to work with um, Bruce and General Ross. Somebody ends up shooting Bruce, which causes his some I guess causes him to raise his blood pressure and well, his heart raises heart rate. I'm sorry, I keep saying blood pressure. It was his heart rate. His heart rate goes up. Once his heart rate goes up, that's when he does turn into the Hulk. That's why his whole making me angry thing comes in because because of that. Um, She tries to calm him down, but it doesn't work. He ends up transforming into the Hulk. He starts attacking General Ross's men. Then all of a sudden, he starts getting bigger and bigger, and then he literally explodes right in front of everybody. It is crazy. Everybody everybody from the Avengers is dying left and right. So, finally, Black Widow is it's pretty much it's pretty much up to her. Um she she actually discovers that um she actually discovers that a deceased agent's profile was used to access the shield's network. Once she finds out, once she finds out, she gets confronted by an unknown entity, and she and she tells she tells him that it's hope. It's always it's about hope. Right before she gets murdered, Nick Fury, desperate. Decides to go into his glove box, and he's grabs his pager. And right before he, right before he does press it, sends a message. He actually does make. He actually does notice. Wait a minute, hold up. It's, it's actually Hope Van Dyne, that she was talking about. So, he actually does approach Loki. And then he shows up. And he tries to make an alliance with Loki to catch the killer. They confront Hope's father, which is Hank Pym, at her grave. In this case, Hank Pym built the Yellow Jacket suit. And he's been the one that's been committing the murders out of revenge for letting Hope die during a mission. So he starts fighting Nick Fury. Nick Fury is pretty much 
beating the crap out of him. And it turns out it was actually Loki disguised as Nick Fury. And then he gets taken into Asgardian custody. Loki then decides that, you know what? Earth isn't so bad. I think I might stay a while. So then he start. So then he starts to subjugate Earth. Pretty much take over. Have them all united under his rule. And peace will reign. <laughs> it, it, it was kind of crazy. Um, Fury, he then begins to assemble different heroes this time around. Uh, finding Steve, this time he finds Steve Rogers, and it's not Captain Britain. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Captain Carter. Um, this time around because he's actually looking in the ice and sees Captain America's shield, and then all of a sudden he says, "Good to see, you, good to see you again, Cap." And it turns out it was Captain Captain Marvel, Captain Danvers, who shows up and says, "So where's the fight?" So she was so she was summoned back to Earth. This episode was probably, and I'll be honest with you, I'm sure some people actually like this episode, but I'm pretty sure this is one of the weaker episodes. I felt like the Charlotte Starlord was pretty good. And then Captain Carter wasn't too bad. But this one, I felt like it should, it wasn't if Earth lost his money's heroes. It was more like, what if? Because at the time, I'm, I was a little confused because I had no idea that Hope was even part of S.H.I.E.L.D. When did she become part of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Um, How did, can we, can we get a little bit of backstory on a little bit more on how she died. What were the details of the mission? It to quote Batman Forever of all movies, <laughs> um, it just raises too many questions. There was just a bit of confusion going on with that. Um, how it fit into the MCU storyline was just a little odd. It was like they really had to shoehorn in a few things. Because, like I said, hope. I don't remember her being part of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Ant-Man or any other movie. I know she worked. I'm pretty sure she worked for an, pretty sure she worked for another company, if I recall. But all in all, it was a solid attempt. The acting was okay. I had to say, like, even the acting wasn't wasn't as amazing as the as the previous episode episode two um it was just it was just so so they really they really did they really did okay i think that um i think that samuel jackson did pretty fine for what he was doing and a few others were okay but it just you can tell that they were almost literally phoning it in. All in all, I don't, for my personal, for my personal rating, I gotta give I gotta give this maybe a two two point five out of five. Uh, for a critique, I'm gonna 
I'm probably gonna give it a two point five out of five. It didn't feel it didn't feel rushed like the very first episode. Uh, the acting wasn't the acting wasn't on par with what the previous episodes were, or even next episode for that matter. It was. It didn't feel, even though it didn't feel rushed, and it cover it did cover a lot of ground. So I'll give it that. It. It was. It was just it relied too much on it being a twist. Of like, oh, who's killing all the Avengers? It's not really. It's not really anything that's um. How should I put this? It's not really anything that's truly like dramatic story like the other ones were. I know I'm comparing it to the other episodes, but it's just that it really didn't fit well with this. Um, with my opinions aside, I still recommend people watching watching this series. I can give my opinions all day long. I can say it's good, bad, or not, but it's all about your own personal opinions, your own personal takes. And that's why I encourage people to go ahead and follow me on Facebook. That is Four Corners Entertainment. I got a blue logo up there. Can't miss it. You guys click on the link and give me your own opinions on it. Voice your own opinions. I may even have you on an episode or two. So that is it for this episode of Four Corners of Entertainment. Episodes two and three of Marvel's What If is in the books, in the pocket, out of sight. Tune in for the next episode where I review the next episode of Marvel's What If. Um, I'm going to be going over what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. Um, this one seem this one is going to be kind of intense. I feel like this one's going to be pretty deep. It is what it is. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to be posting. I'm going to be trying to do my best to post up a little bit more. My day job has been keeping me busy, but I want to try to make sure that I let you guys know that I am here for you guys. I want to entertain you guys. I want to have fun. I want you guys to have fun when you're listening to my show. I don't want to sound boring or anything like that or to be full of excuses. I want to try and make sure I keep you guys updated and informed. And the best way for you guys to be updated and informed on the going ons with my show and my YouTube channel is to follow me on follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Miles J. To find follow me on Facebook, it is Four Corners of Entertainment. It's easy to find. It has a nice blue logo, it's similar to the one that you see on on the artwork for these episodes. I want you guys to voice your opinions, leave comments, subscribe if you haven't already. I am available on multiple platforms, so there's no way that you guys can't find me. If you can't find me on one or have trouble listening to me on one, I have another one ready to go. So that is it for this episode. I want to thank you so much for listening to me. I don't want to ramble on too much. So in the meantime... Remember, when money talks, people listen. Be well, stay safe, take care, guys. Four Corners of Entertainment, bringing you the best in wrestling, movies, and video games. Available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and many more.